0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 653. For the first time since our initial conflict, I felt a trickle of icy fear sweep over me. She was so slight and lovely, it was so easy to forget what she truly was. Still, I couldn't let the subject go so easily. This was quite literally a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If Felurian could be persuaded to tell me even a piece of what she knew, I could learn things no one else in the world might know. I gave her my most charming smile and drew a breath to speak. But before I could get the first word out, Felurian leaned forward and kissed me full upon the mouth. Her lips were plush and warm. Her tongue brushed mine and she bit the swell of my lower lip playfully. When she pulled her mouth from mine, it left me breathless with a racing heart. She looked at me, her dark eyes full of tender sweetness. She laid her hand along my face, brushing my cheek as gently as a flower. My sweet love, she said, if you ask of the seven again in this place, I will drive you from it. No matter if you're asking be firm or gentle, honest or slant ways if you ask i will whip you forth from here with a lash of brambles and snakes i will drive you before me bloody and weeping and will not stop until you are dead or fled from Fay. she didn't look away from me as she spoke and though i hadn't looked away or seen them change her eyes were no longer soft with adoration. They were dark as storm clouds, hard as ice. I do not jest, she said. I swear this by the flower and the ever-moving moon. I swear it by salt and stone and sky. I swear this singing and laughing by the sound of my own name. She kissed me again, pressing her lips to mine tenderly. I will do this thing. And that was the end of it. I might be a fool, but I am not that much of a fool. Falurian was more than willing to talk about the Fae realm itself, and many of her stories detailed the fractious politics of the Faean courts. The Tain Male, the Daenden, the Gross Court. These stories were difficult for me to follow as I didn't know anything about the factions involved, let alone the web of alliances, false friendships, open secrets, and grudges that bound Fay society together. This was complicated by the fact that Valerian took it for granted that I understood certain things. If I were telling you a story, for example, I wouldn't bother mentioning that most moneylenders are childish, or that there is no royalty older than the Modegan royal line. Who doesn't know such things? Valerian left similar details out of her stories. Who wouldn't know for the end of the page? Oh, I'm Nick. I'm Jordana.
1: I'm Jeremy. I love an elaborately worded uh, and highly detailed threat. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that I simply love to see uh and floriance is as good as ever and it's such a nice tonal shift because this has been kind of a nice passage with Falurian, but quoth is careful to remind us like kind of up until the end of this chapter like just because she looks like a like you know a nice you know hot babe who's you know we're just hanging out in her her pavilion of flowers like you can't forget what she really is and the hard edges underneath
2: it's a bit like Bast. It's a bit like how when Bast gets serious, he gets very uh, hyperbolic. Although I don't get the sense that she's speaking hyperbolically. Indeed,
1: no. I think she is going to make a whip of like snakes and brambles and uh, beat him out of Fey. Also, Jordana, I just want to clarify something. When you read the page, uh, she's she swears by the flower or her flower.
0: Uh, I don't know where on the page that was. That uh, two was so paragraphs bad.
1: above the tilde brand. I do not just, she said, I swear this by my, my flower. flower. Okay. What did you I You said say? the flower or a flower. Oh. That's all good. I, I just think that the possessive there is indicative because
2: she's not talking about a flower. I don't think.
0: That is a good point.
2: It says, this, it says my flower in my book, mm-hmm.
0: Jeremy.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just misspoke
2: she's taking this really seriously. If you bring them
1: up again, if you bring the Chandrian up again, I will do this. Uh, and I think that that's because the Chandrian operate by the same rules in Fey as they do in the real world where they are drawn to the sound of their name. And I kind of wonder if Fey acts as like an amplifier, like in the real world, it seems like it took the Chandrian a while to track Fost's parents down uh, every time they got a ping from the name but I wonder if it would be easier for them in Fey because Faye is more, is more of like a magical place. Like, I wonder if like the reason
2: Florian's taking this so seriously is because she thinks that if he brings them up again, they'll just appear. Well, yeah, like they're clearly they're serious business. Like whatever else they are here, they're definitely not just fairy tales. They're definitely not a rumor or something that only is... Uh, only whose influence is only lightly felt. They are very, very serious. So much so that even Florian, who seems so carefree, is dead serious about chasing Foth away uh, and killing him if he speaks of them again. I feel like you had a thought that I interrupted. Who me? Yeah, you. Oh, I mean, that was kind of it. Like that, maybe there's something that Foth can learn about that in much the same way that he sort of he didn't really pick at the idea that the Amir were Fey in origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially he could pick at the idea that like, I think he sort of understands that there's something Fae or at least like obviously the Fae like know more about the Chandrian than they're letting on. And I think that's part of why he goes off to meet the Cathay. Uh, and he's so interested in getting more knowledge of it. Cause here's another Fae creature who will tell him something about the Chandrian when Fuluria and his main Fae contact uh, didn't or wouldn't. But I just think it's interesting that he Drops the subject both for Felurian and also for us, the readers. Like he doesn't ruminate on, oh, this taught me that Felurian knew that the Chandrian were real, but she was scared to talk about them. What could that mean about them? He just like fully and like we we know that uh, character Quoth does thinking. Like he has interiority separate from what narrator Quoth tells us. So it's possible that he is thinking these thoughts, but narrator Quoth doesn't share them with the readers.
0: I have things. Um, I think that it is worth discussing the things that we do learn about the Fayenne Court, which is the Tain Miel, the Den and the gross Court. Are those things that we've heard of before? Do we have ideas what they the, are? The
1: Gorse Court.
0: Oh my god, I am terrible at reading, yes. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, I, I'm not bringing it up just to, like, you know... I
0: was thinking gross, like, like, in like French, big. like... Yeah, like a big court. Mm-hmm,
1: but it's, <laughs>
0: but it's
1: actually like brambles, right? It's like a court of of brambles, like a gorse bush. Is, yeah, is like gorse a, and
2: heather, mm-hmm. uh, like a coarse underbrush. Yeah, gorse is a, is a thing in English. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I didn't uh, know that yeah. either. Well, we're all learning things today. That's good. And like
1: those, <laughs> I mean, the thing about those names is that they are, despite us not really having any context for them at all, they are still evocative
0: yes
2: yes i'm i'm trying i'm doing some quick googling to see if uh if there is any reference to them i don't see any uh one of bass titles is prince of the telwith male so that's obviously not the Tain male but it seems like male is a a general uh and then Tain is a specific so male is like a realm of some kind yeah i mean mean, it
0: reminds me of the way that they spell mare
2: yeah. yeah, like like maybe it might that, mean, near Albon. that word
0: it
1: might mean like a domain, you know, or like a polity. Yeah,
2: um, and maybe that's where the word comes from uh, in in the main world.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, for one thing, we've learned that like the Fae are not a monolith, right? There isn't like one single Fae, you know, kingdom. Like there's there seem to be multiple Fae nations or polities or or courts as as they have it. And we learn that they just like in the you know in our world and in Temerant, those polities are in conflict with each other. They have like certain ideas about each other. Uh, they have long histories.
2: Yes, and uh, this is not my theory. I, I just noticed this on one of my frantic googles here. But uh, since there are other polities and uh, courts with peerages. Uh, they all potentially have kings, or you know, they may have kings. So we've been running under the assumption that the king that Quoth kills is a, uh, a a human king, a a manling king, but perhaps it is a fae king. Hmm. Yeah, that's an idea. Uh, and then the last thing I want to say on on this uh, page is just that um, Dane Den sounds a little bit like Dayton, so I wonder if if there's another bit of etymological crossover with that name. Oh. Yeah, it could be.
0: I had not thought of that.
2: But there seems to be no other references to that that I can see from this uh, cursory search. Jordana, did you have other things you wanted to
1: talk
0: about? I think that was my main thing. Uh... Nope, I'm good.
2: Cool. We have a brief letter from the Devil and Daniel who writes, Crow Pie, in response to your discussion of uh, his comment wherein he uh, was not sure about uh, the use of the word sullen in the description of "quoth" reacting to seeing Dayden and Hespi. All right, pagers, you win this round. I'd never read the ambush on Dayden and Hespi this way, but having listened to you discuss the scene and subsequently discussing it with my Kinkiller Chronicle fanatic, and sentient library of a sister, I am willing to concede that I was in the wrong. If you have any crow pie left over, I'd appreciate if you could save me a bite. Thanks and best regards, signed the devil and...
0: Oh, that was really cute. I love it, it. It
2: takes a big man to admit when
1: he's made a mistake, uh, and none of the hosts of this podcast would know about that, but we will, uh, because <laughs> we've never been wrong about anything, but we will save uh, some crow pie for you in a little Tupperware in, in our, our office fridge uh, in Omathai Manor, and you can-
0: Just drop by Omothai Manor when you're that's in the neighborhood. Right,
1: you can pick it up at your convenience, and we
2: will we'll heat it up for you. Yes, I think it's likely that once we're done with the podcast, we will open a crow pie delivery service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like little like savory hand pies. Yeah, exactly. And if someone of a friend of yours needs to eat crow, we will bike up to them Mm -hmm. and jam it into their mouth and then bike off cackling. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I have like a perfect image of this in my brain because I don't I've never I don't I don't know if I've ever really like thought about the term hand pie before, but it definitely just sounds like a pie that you would place in your hand, and your hand is what you use to hit people in the face with, so, you know, hand pie. Um, you remember,
2: Jordana, <laughs> there was that that pie placed near us? Uh, yes, no, not... I know,
0: I understand the concept. I just, like, I never really thought of it as being a hand pie.
2: Yeah, those were
1: hand pie. It was just
0: a small pie. They weren't hand pie,
1: pie. small enough to fit in your hand. Yeah, but it's, it's
0: just, a, just a small pie.
1: Listeners, uh, you can listen to us debate for 20 minutes the etymology of hand pie on tomorrow's page.
2: Uh,
1: The wind. wind...